Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. A very warm welcome to St. Bride's Church in Cambus Lang for the celebration of morning mass, which is the funeral mass for the repose of the soul of Charles Doherty. We welcome to the church uh, his wife, uh, Mary, and we welcome also uh, his sons and daughters who are here with us, and uh, Anne and Maureen and Charles and John uh, and Christine and uh, Corinne as well and we welcome also the family members who are here with us in great number and also family friends you're very welcome to the church today today we've come to celebrate uh, a life uh, which is as you see touched so many people's lives 
uh, generous, good and kind life. And today we thank God for the graces that have come through Charles's life. To begin the Mass and to offer the Mass more worthily, we first call to mind our sins. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask, Blessed Mary, ever Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. And may Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, Almighty Father, our faith professes that your Son died and rose again. Mercifully grant that through this mystery, your servant, who has fallen asleep in Christ, may rejoice to rise again through him, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Please be seated. reading from the book of wisdom the souls of the virtuous are in the hands of god no torment shall ever touch them in the eyes of the unwise they did appear to die their going looked like a disaster they're leaving us like annihilation but they are in peace if they experience punishment as men see it their hope was rich with immortality slight was their affliction great will their blessings be God has put them to the test and proved them worthy to be with him. He has tested them like gold in a furnace and accepted them as a holocaust. When the time comes for his visitation, they will shine out. As sparks run through the stubble, so will they. They shall judge nations, rule over peoples, and the Lord will be their king forever. They who trust in him will understand the truth. Those who are faithful will live with him in love, for grace and mercy await those he has chosen. The word of the Lord.
second reading is a reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. With God on our side, who can be against us? Since God did not spare his own son, but gave him up to benefit us all, we may be certain, after such a gift, that he will not refuse anything he can give. Could anyone accuse those that God has chosen? When God acquits, could anyone condemn could Christ Jesus know he not only died for us, he rose from the dead and there at God's right hand he stands and pleads for us. Nothing therefore can come between us and the love of Christ. Even if we are troubled or worried or being persecuted or lacking food or clothes or being threatened or even attacked, these are the trials through which we triumph by the power of him who loved us. For I am certain of this, neither death nor life, no angel, no prince, nothing that exists, nothing still to come, not any power or height or depth, nor any created thing 
can ever come between us and the love of God made visible in Christ Jesus our Lord. The word of the Lord. and the life says the Lord whoever believes in me will never die Alleluia 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 The Lord be with you A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew And Jesus exclaimed, I bless you, Father, Lord of heaven and of earth, for hiding these things from the learned and the clever and revealing them to mere children. Yes, Father, for that is what it pleased you to do. And everything has been entrusted to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, just as no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labour and are overburdened, and I will give you rest. Shoulder my yoke and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The Gospel of the Lord. As mentioned uh, yesterday evening, it's barely only a week since we were here for the funeral of Daniel Doherty, the brother of Charles. We could never have imagined that within a short space of time we would be here again for the funeral of his brother and the last remaining member of that family. All 13 brothers and sisters have now passed away and I'm sure that this is a unique moment in the life of this family. It's as if a torch has been passed to a new generation. Charles lived a long life to be 91 years of age. He had good health up until recent times. He was a man of simple routines and enjoyed his life and was a very contented person. It's an obvious thing to say perhaps but that God only gives us the one life but that one life that he gives us is a precious and rich gift. There's so much that you can do with one life uh, that we're given. And I suppose at the end of all of our lives, we might have the opportunity to look over our shoulder. Maybe we're always surprised at the rich variety of our life, the twists and turns of life, the people that we've met, the things that we've done, the wide territory of life that we've covered. Faith itself teaches us that on that journey, God is with us. He is our faithful companion. He will not let us fall. He will not let us go astray. He will not let us bear a burden that is too heavy without giving us the strength to bear it. 
And in the end, what we believe is that he leads us to the finishing line, to journey's end, and that there's no darkness there, but rather the light and joy in his presence that is assured to the weary traveller. Today at Mass, the readings speak of the journey and the faithfulness and constancy of God's love for us. He is in the journey here on earth. He is in the final moments of life. He is always with us. Those 91 years uh, were begun uh, for Charles in the miners' row at uh, Newton on 3rd of December 1927. He was the fourth youngest child of that family. It was eventually, as I mentioned before, to number 13. It's suspected, although it's not known, that maybe his name was taken from the parish of St. Charles's, so recently opened the building itself. Uh, uh, around about that time, built in the year of the Great Strike of 1926. His parents were Agnes and Bernard. Agnes' family came from the islands and Bernard's family from Ireland. Agnes was one of an incredible number of family of 17. Her father was bilingual, Gaelic and uh, English, but her mother never spoke English. Family came to Newton after the sudden death of the family in an accident as he was a smithy. Bernard's parents had eloped uh, here uh, from Ireland uh, to settle in Newton. Charles himself left school at the age of 14, as many young men did in those times. He was to work in the local farm uh, around about Newton, uh, a work that he loved, the open air. But he was soon persuaded uh, by his family members, I think, to leave that work, to work in the dirty and dangerous work of the mines uh, for an extra six beneath in his wages. He became seriously ill uh, in the work itself and was forced to leave it. But he was worked uh, uh, for most of his life in he heavy industry in the, in the area itself, in Hallside Steelwork and in Redpaths, like many men of the area. Charles himself uh, met and married uh, Mary Coyle uh, here in this church. Uh, on the 2nd of June 1958. The couple met after the 2nd World War in a ferry travelling from Ireland to Scotland and have been very happily married for 60 years. Four children, uh, Anne and Charles and John and uh, Maureen, uh, were very close always to these uh, children, uh, loved them very much and they loved their parents very much indeed. Delighted uh, when Charles uh, 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 and Christine were married, uh, and of course uh, the grandchild uh, Corin, who is here today, who I imagine was his pride and joy. Charles himself lost a number of siblings uh, in his early life. His sister Agnes died at age 19. His brother Bernard died in the war. Other siblings died young, as a result of poverty of the times. He himself had uh, many interests, as you probably know. He was a man who walked many miles, uh, liked to get out to walk. Uh, he was a keen gardener and also liked to hunt and fish uh, as well. He also liked to believe, uh, the family tell me, a, a, a flutter in the horses. Uh, he would uh, examine the paper uh, each day to look for that elusive winner 
there is absolutely no proof that he was ever good at the racing. People knew him very well uh, from this area of Cambus Lang and Halfway. He lived in the area that he lived in uh, for, for 40 years, over 40 years. His wife and his family were very well known in that area, respected and very good neighbours indeed. As I mentioned before, God gives us just the one life, but it's very beautiful sometimes to see the unfolding of a life, the long path that leads from where we were born, where we've grown up, and to later life itself and what we've done. And of course, those interweaving relationships of family and neighbourhoods and people that we've come into contact with, the things that happen in our life and the way that our life itself turns out. And of course, maybe that's the way that God himself makes it. Our lives and do indeed weave in and out of each other's lives and the paths that we take there often seems a mysterious thread that connects our lives and binds us together with one another. What we celebrate, what we celebrate especially in this place today, is that thread itself does not break, but extends beyond our sight to another place which we cannot see, to God from whom every life is connected. And it's never his wish that that thread itself be broken but that rather that, that life continues in another way. Today at Mass, then, we thank God for a generous, rich, and kind life, a life that has meant very much to his family and to his friends. We thank God for the kindness of Charles's life, for his generosity, and for the many blessings that have come through his life very many other people as well and at the end of the journey we pray for peace and contentment for him for he comes to God as that weary traveller and we take comfort now today that he is united with his parents his grandparents his brothers and sisters and all that he loved here and there Please stand. We come to our loving Father asking him to give eternal rest to the departed and comfort and hope to the living. For the family of the church, that we may grow in our faith in the power of Jesus <coughs> over sin and death. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the leaders of nations, that they may promote peace and justice in the world. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For those who mourn their loss, especially the family and friends of our brother Charles, that their grief may be lightened by the risen Christ and his promise to unite us again in our heavenly home. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For Charles, our brother, who sleeps in the Lord, that he may be raised up on the last day and receive the reward of his goodness. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. In silent prayer, let us remember our personal needs and intentions. God of our salvation, you reward the just and console those who mourn. Hear our prayers in the name of your risen Son, who 
who lives and reigns forever and ever. Please be seated. Brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. As we humbly present to you these offerings, O Lord, for the salvation of your servant Charles, we beseech your mercy that he who did not doubt your son to be a most loving Saviour may find in him a most merciful judge, who lives and reigns forever and ever. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It's truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. In him the hope of the blessed resurrection has dawned, that those saddened by the certainty of dying might be consoled by the promise of immortality to come. Indeed, for your faithful Lord, Life is changed, not ended, and when the earthly dwelling turns to dust, an eternal dwelling is made ready for them in heaven. And so with the angels and archangels, the thrones and dominions, the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory, as without end we acclaim. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God, blessed is he who comes. We are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. 
Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them what you do fall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more, giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith. We proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, <coughs> we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that, sharing in the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world, bring her to the fullness of charity together with Francis, our Pope, Joseph, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember your servant, Charles, whom you have called from this world to yourself. Grant that he who was united with your son in a death like his may also be one with him in his resurrection. Remember also our older brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, Joseph, our spouse, the blessed apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages. We may merit to be, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life, and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him, and with him, and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honour is yours forever and ever. Amen. We pray with confidence to God our Father in the prayer that Jesus has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may always be free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not in our sins, but in the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity, in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. Peace of the Lord be with you always. And now let's offer one another a sign of peace and friendship.
Behold, O Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed.
Lord God, whose Son left us in the sacrament of his body, food for the journey, mercifully grant the strengthened by it our dear brother may come to the eternal table of Christ, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Please be seated. Now I'd like to invite uh, Charles's nephew to come forward to say a few words of address uh, on behalf of the family. thing I would like to say is I'd like to thank Uncle Chas' four children for honouring me. They asked me to make a 
very personal eulogy, uh, in memory uh, the guy I always cried, my uncle Cha. Uh, it's very personal, and I don't think anybody really could get, do the man justice. But I'm going to make my personal effort at it. So if you could bear with me for 10 minutes, and I'll start like this. Hugh McDermott, arguably Scotland's best poet, after Robert Burns, who Cha favoured, once wrote a short poem entitled Duncan Gibber Fockerty. The poem is worth the reading. It begins with a line, Duncan Gibber Fockerty is a giant to the likes of me. For that line could have been written about Charlie Doherty. For from my very first childhood memories of him to this very day, my uncle Cha was, is, and always will be a giant a man to me. If you're lucky in life, you'll meet a few truly special human beings, i.e. people who you will think of with the fondest of regards every single day of your life. If you're very lucky, at least one of these people will come from within your own family. I have been exceptionally lucky, for I have two such family members. The first is my great-uncle Andra Ross, who used to take me and my two primary school-age brothers long walks up the brace on a Sunday to give my hard-pressed mother the rest she needed when my father was at work in Clydebrig Steelworks. I think of Andra Ross every single day in my life, even though he's now our 50-year deed. His words, wisdom and kindness have had a lasting effect on me. And Charlie Doherty, for the self-same reasons, has and always will have the same hold in my affections and few of the world. He was my mother's lifelong favoured brother and my father's best friend for almost 70 years. It was he who took my mother's home, Dun Newton Bray, every day for two years when she first started St. Charles's Primary School at the age of five in 1937. It was he who comforted, comforted her best when her 19-year-old sister Agnes was tragically killed in Newton Pitt Heath in 1938. And he did the very same thing when her 26-year-old brother was killed in 1942 when serving in the British Army as a motorbike dispatch rider in the struggle against fascism. Charlie Doherty looked after his faithful wee sister Patsy throughout her childhood in the school playground and the back yards off and the streets between the miners' rows and Newton. And she never forgot it. They both loved the village of Newton with an enduring passion. They loved its people and its surrounding countryside, especially the banks of the Clyde and the Cother where they spent so many happy hours as children. Right to the end of their days, they wouldn't hear a bad word said against the miners, and they defended the National Union of Mine Workers to the death in its never-ending struggle against pit closures and for decent wages and safer and better working and living conditions for the miners and their families. When they had both grown up and were well merit, we went to the rain, 
She was always delighted when he paid her on a further visit. Mere welcome it couldn't be. The cracking stories me and my brothers listened to so raptly on those occasions were always memorable and always cemented with a heady mix of tears and laughter. The truth is, you were annoying, Uncle Chap, because my mother loved him so. She cried her third son after Cha, the only one of the three years no cried after a grandfather. Charlie and my father rapidly became the best of friends. He was a big brother my father never had. And Charlie feud with Doherty stroke, Ross, marriage stroke alliance. It's no so much a sister lost as another brother gained. May says here know the type of man Charlie Doherty was. He was the second youngest of five Doherty brothers, known in Newton and further afield as the fighting or feuding Doherty's. He was fear of nothing and daunted the less. A great man to hear in your corner, but a formidable foe. And to give you an example of the latter, when Charlie was about 16 or 17, his younger sister Betty came rushing into the kitchen in the miner's row in Clyde Place, Newton, roaring and greeting. She had been accosted and abused as she came off the bus to work at the Newton bus terminus in words which, to quote Woody Guthrie, could be considered rather rude. Like a shot for a gun, Charlie sprinted to the terminus while the bus was waiting to start its return journey to Glasgow. Shot up the stairs to the double-decker and dragged the 30-year-old culprit, remember he was only 16 or 17, by the hair, down the stairs and into the street, where in front of a grown throng of excited people, he proceeded to give the foul-mouthed thug and the bane of Newton the beating of his life. The incident was to speak of the place for months. Charlie was a hero, and the thong was rendered a social outcast in Newton, enforced by community pressure, including filled dustbins being thrown through closed glass windows to flit to a less civilised area. His wife Mary and his daughters and sons, Anne, Charles, John and Maureen, were the key stain in Maester Charlie's adult life. His life revolved round them, and though he could be a hard taskmaster, they loved him in return. Like Burns's own feather, even Charlie's vices erred on virtue's side. Charlie Doherty loved his immediate family unconditionally from first to last, and of course, over the past 25 years in Mayor, developed a warm relationship with his daughter-in-law, Christine, young Charles' wife, and the mother he has doted on only grandchild, Corrine. In recent years, he also developed a keen relationship with Maureen's much-respected partner, Malcolm McCarroll. In a lot of ways, the Scots Gaelic words written in my Irish wedding ring, the ring was bought on the dark island of Inbetula in the Western Isles a number of years ago, sums up Charlie Doherty's relationship with Mary his wife of 60 years. Gra, meaning love, Dilshacht, meaning infidelity, and Karchas, meaning friendship or companionship. Charlie Doherty was a loving, faithful husband 
and friend to Mary Coyle throughout their married life, and she was the same as a wife to him. Though Charlie enjoyed working hard, they realized early on that working class people should work in order to live and know the other way around. He hated injustice, cruelty, and bullying, and looked to the day when man to man the world over, brothers will be for all that. But Charlie Doherty took the bard's fervent prayer further, for he looked to the next day when the creators of all well, the working people of the world, finally got a fair share of the produce of their dark and end is put to their cruel exploitation. Like Martin Luther King, Charlie Doherty had a dream. And a very personal story to finish with. When I was about 12 years old, Chan, my father, took me and my twin brother, Benny, burn fishing for the first time. It was a kind of rite of passage, you see. The burn we fished still flows after the moors, and crosses below a bridge in the Muirkirk Road out of Straden, a couple of miles shy of what is now effectively the Dungable concentration camp for refugees. It was raining heavy, and the burn was well up, ideal conditions. We fished our way up the burn and down as was their custom and practice. After two or three hours, we'd made our way in pairs to the agreed meeting place, we were scheduled to enjoy a piece of jam and a hot cup of tea out of a flask. It was freezing, for it was early in the season and still early in the morning, and I was absolutely miserable, for I had caught nothing, whilst my brother, who had been paired with Cha, had three in his canvas bag. Benny had an appetite for the grub and offer, and I had none, for I was scunnered with envy and chatting with a call which none of them seemed to feel. As previously agreed, we swapped partners to fish the burn down. My father and brother set off first, and while we waited to give them a good start, Chan engaged me in conversation thus. Listen, Bobby, there's only two things you need to know about catching trout. Firstly, there's no such thing as kamikaze trout. You hate to hear worm in the water. And the second thing you need to know is, if you're going to catch truth, you hate to think like a truth. There was a pregnant pause, and I remember clearly the rain was running off his nose. He was waiting for a response. Says I to him, and how do you do that, Uncle Char? I'd bitten the hook hard. His response was this. Do you honestly think I'm going to tell you all my secrets? <laughs> he was jesting, of course, and proceeded to patiently teach me how to study the flow of the burn and to work out the most likely places for fish to be lurking for the rod and line delivery of the dung worms and offer. I caught my first freshwater fish that day under the tutelage of Charlie Doherty. He had caught nine or ten by the end of that day invariably caught more than anyone else. My father five or six, my brother definitely five, but thanks to my uncle Cha, I was relatively happy, for getting hammered five one is infinitely better than getting gubbed five nothing. 
finally, you know, I make a personal farewell to my uncle Charlie Doherty. We are, as Father Morton has already said, bidding farewell to the last of a generation of 13 Doherty's. One thing's for certain, the likes of them we'll never see again, for they were the direct products of back-breaking toil and the claustrophobic and life-sapping minds of the Lanarkshire Cove. Please stand. night and brightest day be at my side O oh Lord O 
hold my hand and guide me on my way. Sometimes a road seems long, my energy is spent. Then, Lord, I think of you and I am given strength. Walk with me, oh my Lord, through the darkest night and brightest day. Be at my side, oh Lord, hold my hand and guide me on my way. Storms often bar my path and there are times I fall But you are always there to help me when I call Walk with me, oh my Lord Through the darkest night and brightest day Be at my side, oh Lord Hold my hand and guide me on my way Just as you calmed the wind and walked upon the sea Conquer my living, Lord, the storms that threaten me Walk with me, oh my Lord Through the darkest night and brightest day that cloud my heart and mind so that I shall not fear the steepest mountainside Walk with me, oh my Lord through the darkest night and brightest day Be at my side, oh Lord Hold my hand and guide me You healed the lame and gave sight to the blind. Help me when I'm downcast to hold my head up high. Walk with me, oh my Lord, through the darkest night and brightest day. Be at my side, oh Lord. Oh my.